0: On the record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PWC on News Talk. It is the 9th of July. Which means, of course, that it is a fairly sensitive week, uh, and for some people, a very big week uh, north of the border in Northern Ireland, because it's the week of the 12th of July, in which those of the Unionist and loyalist communities mark the anniversary of the Battle of the Boyne. And of course, this has broader significance beyond just those commemorations, because it also means that if Northern Ireland is ever in any kind of political deadlock, as indeed it is right now, that very little gets done, because there's a thought that you can't very much or can't achieve very much during marching season. Um, so let's talk about that, and indeed, what it is that's being commemorated, uh, circuit of the the Alliance Party uh, will be with us in a few minutes but first of all we are joined by uh, Mike Nesbitt who's an MLA and a former leader of the Ulster Unionist Party Uh, Mike thanks for for joining us this lunchtime on the record Uh, I want to ask a very big picture question first of all because I'm conscious that there will be a lot of people listening in this part of the island who don't really understand the significance of the 12th and why it means so much to so many north of the border so you might just give us a, a big picture question why do people march to mark the 12th of July?
1: Well, Kevin, can I, yeah, can I actually start with a small picture um, item, because I think it's very important. I want to condemn without reservation what happened at the bonfire in my in County Tyrone last night, when an Irish trickler and an image of Antishok, the override cow were burned. That is totally out of order, and I say I condemn it without reservation. As to your big picture, this, is, this has been a tradition that's been going on for centuries, but I have to say... I am not, and never have been, a member of the Orange Order or mm. any of the so-called loyal orders. So it's you know it's not in my DNA. But for for thousands of people, it is in their DNA that they go out and celebrate uh, freedom, of religious and political freedom. And, uh, and is I that I what they see it as? That,
0: they, they see it as being a celebration of of, of liberty of sorts.
1: They do. They do, and it, it goes back to the Battle of the Boyne in uh, 1690 uh, and the fight between King James and, uh, and, and William of Orange.
0: And without trying to get too much into a potted history lesson, and again, I'm mindful that you are, you're, you're not and never have been a member of the Orange Order, but it is relatively unusual to have been a leader of the UUP and not to have been a member of the Orange Order, but that, such is the modern day. Like, how does the, the victory of, of King William over the Jacobite forces in 1690, somewhere on the border of Meath and Louth, how does that mark liberty for them?
1: Well, because I, I think even if if you talk to Sinn Féin these days, they would say that uh, the idea that home rule was Rome rule a hundred odd years ago uh, actually had some veracity. So it was about uh, political and religious freedom, uh, even as, as recently as a hundred years ago. Now, of course, the Irish state, your state, has moved on just amazingly. Uh, over the last number of years and decades. And, and to say uh, that it is under the control of the Catholic Church is palpably nonsense, but I think maybe 100 plus years ago that is an argument that had, had a great deal of weight. Yeah. Uh,
0: you mentioned that that incident in Saron last night and I was going to to come to ask you about that, about yeah. the uh, uh, an image of Leo Varadkar and, and the Irish tricolour being okay. burned at the top of some bonfires. Um, this is a pretty standard regrettably so but it's a pretty standard annual feature now of a lot of bonfires uh, in northern ireland to mark uh, the 12th of july um and 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 with the precursor that you've said you've you've condemned that and rightly so why do you think some people believe that that is appropriate i know you can't fully get into their minds but what what is the mindset being represented by people thinking that's okay
1: i don't i don't know gavin i i simply do not know i think it is entirely inappropriate uh, it's entirely wrong, uh, it's offensive, it is a hate crime, it is a crime, uh, and I hope the police uh, have managed to do some evidence gathering, and if they have, I hope they, uh, through the full weight of the law, at the people responsible for it, because it has no part in uh, in, in in my world.
0: You, you can't surmise at all any explanation as to why that's that's a done thing in some
1: communities? I, I don't. I mean, it, it does seem to have been a tradition. Uh, in in some areas, as you say, it it that is not unique. What happened in Mogashel last night, and it seems to me that uh, you know the nearer you get to the lighting of the bonfires, and most of them, of course, will be lit on the eleventh night. Uh, the closer you get to that, uh, then uh, you know the, the more like it is that that inappropriate images and flags will be placed on the on the bonfire. Uh, It's just wrong.
0: uh, I mentioned that this is a time of year where ordinarily, if there is any stalemate, that you don't tend to get much movement because there's a perception that marching season is too sensitive a time in which to try and engineer any big changes to make any breakthrough. Um, Why is that? And at what point then do you think that marching season has passed that if there was, for example, an appetite within the DUP to go back to restore power sharing instalment, what is the earliest point at which that might happen?
1: Well, I would go back in tomorrow. I hope you realise that. The Aussie Unionist Party would go back in at, mm, at 7 I, I, o'clock I, I in the morning. I hope it's by understood
0: by our audience, that, that it is not the UUP that have decided not to engage, that it's up to the DUP on that front.
1: Yeah. So, when, again, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you're asking me questions and they're legitimate questions, but the ones that, that you've been asking me are probably better put to the orange order, and I'm afraid in this case... This political question is, is probably better put well, to the, the
0: DUP. Well then, how about the, the broader question then of, of why is it that nothing can be done during marching season? Because for people who don't know, before you, you became an active politician with the UUP, you were a political correspondent, political editor with UTV. So you, you would know a rounded sense of, of the images there and why marching season is seen as such a sensitive time. So why is it that nothing is ever done during that period?
1: Well, my my assessment of it would be that many, many members of the Democratic Unionist party would be orange men and they will be out on the 12th of July and they will be going to what they call the field where the speeches are made and what they want to avoid at all costs is is taking heavy criticism uh, from their colleagues in the orange order for perhaps uh, being seen to be weak Uh, by going back in when they've promised they won't have Stormont back until their seven tests on the so-called protocol stroke Windsor framework uh, have been satisfied. I think it's that simple. They want to avoid that kind of embarrassment, that stick that might be coming their way. Uh, I
0: I dare say, though, and I wonder whether you agree with this, that if they are uh, trying to avoid hostility when they go out to attend these sorts of events, that given the hostility there has been about the protocol in the last couple of years anyway, that that hostility that would likely arise whenever they make a decision to go back in—it doesn't matter whether it's around the twelfth or any other time.
1: I, I, yeah, I get, but I get the impression that that their supporters—and let's remember that their their vote in the uh, the May council elections basically held up—they went into it with one hundred and twenty-two seats and came out with one hundred and twenty-two, and they're taking that as uh, justification uh, for their stance. So you know they're, they're being told, I believe that. Uh, their supporters would like Stormont up and running, but not until they've got a good deal uh, on on the protocol and they don't seem to think that the Windsor framework meets that test. Uh,
0: final question for you, Mike, before I let you go. And thank you for, for being so generous with your time this lunchtime. Um, have you heard or have you got any sense in the grapevine just de- detaching from the, the process of the 12th for a moment? Um, I mean, the, the DUP had appointed an expert internal panel, I think, for the entire month of, of uh, February or March or April to try and get to the bottom of whether the acceptable winter framework was enough for them to go back in for power sharing in the north and it's now mid-july and we simply have no idea what the outcome of that was or when they might change their minds have you had any sense of when any movement if it is to come might ever be made
1: i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm as puzzled as as i'm sure you are at, at at the decision to appoint this high-powered panel to look at it uh, a panel which has reported some weeks ago which you point out <laughs> And yet uh, it hasn't been published and uh, you haven't got a, a sniff uh, even of, of, what, of the general direction of what the conclusions may be. But it, it falls into, I, I'm very puzzled by a lot of things, Gavin. You know, when, when, as a unionist, if your political opponents, or some of them, have a narrative that says Northern Ireland is a failed, ungovernable statelet, why are you playing that tune by bringing Stormont down? Why, I mean, why aren't you saying, no, we, we are not ungovernable, uh, we're not failed, we're going to make Northern Ireland work, you know, measured by the quality of our public services, measured by the fact that people are content because they're earning good money and a good job, their children are being well educated and all the rest. I, I don't understand why the DUP are playing the Sinn Féin tune for them.
0: Uh, On that front, uh, we will let it go. Mike Nesbitt, uh, member of the Northern Assembly and former leader of the UUP, thank you for joining us at this lunchtime on On The Record. uh, As I mentioned, Circa Eastwood of the Alliance Party was standing by and was listening to all of that. Sirka, I might uh, put the same question that I put to Mike just now, put it to you. Have you heard any inkling at all as to when there might be any appetite for moving in the DUP, if indeed they were going to restore Stormont? Any idea what timeline we might be looking at?
2: Good afternoon, Gavin. Um, no, we, we've no idea. And frankly, you know, that's not a tenable situation, is it really? Um, you know, where the vast majority of MLAs elected to serve in the Northern Ireland Assembly clearly want to go back. Um, you've just heard from Mike, his party, the ulster unionists want to go back, ourselves and Alliance, SDLP, Sinn Féin and others all want to get back. So, you know, is that really going to wear with the public? No, it's not. And what we're seeing is an absolute and utter managed decline of public services in Northern Ireland. And, you know, I'm just not sure for how much longer that this is actually going to be a viable situation. Um, we're facing a cost of living crisis. We're facing an energy crisis. We well know the people going back into school in September with all the bills for uniforms and everything that people are having to shell out at the minute. And then once the, the long cold nights set in, people will have no money. Um, I have never witnessed anything like this. Um, in the UK, at the minute, Northern Ireland, inflation is the worst it's been in nearly almost 40 years. Um, we have ongoing problems with the health service. And my constituents are looking at me and going, what can you do about this? And frankly, it's not good enough that I turn around and go, well, a party with, you know, 20 odd seats says that they don't want to go back and they want to employ a scorched earth policy. They're not going to wear that. And frankly, neither are we. Well,
0: whatever about the merits of what you describe as the scorched earth policy and, and not wanting to have any role in, in Stormont, given that things are as they stand. Can can you at least sympathise or can you empathise with the DUP's view that they genuinely believe that the protocol resulted in Northern Ireland being a second-class part of the United Kingdom and that the framework doesn't go far enough to addressing that?
2: No, I don't at all and in fact I completely reject that because you know, anybody could have seen from a distance that Brexit was absolutely something that was driven by English nationalism. It was dreamt up in the playing fields of Eton. It was employed as a strategy to manage internal divisions within the Conservative Party. And even George Osborne, the Chancellor at the time, David Cameron, as the Prime Minister, advised him not to do it. Um, so clearly, people like ourselves who actually care about Northern Ireland, who actually want to see the place work and get on, opposed Brexit for those reasons so it just was totally illogical that the DUP ever backed it to the extent that they did and now whenever it's worth reminding people Gavin that the Prime Minister stood in my constituency in Ligon Valley a matter of months ago and advised people take this deal, you have the best of both worlds Northern Ireland has a chance that nowhere else has, go for it Mm. and the DUP rejected it and yet they'll say that that's what they want to maintain so there's no no logic to it whatsoever.
0: But if they given a mandate and this is a mandate that was reinforced at the local elections only a couple of months ago that they, they want an end to EU law applying in Northern Ireland they want an end to EU courts they don't want there to be any kind of customs differential between Northern Ireland and, and the rest of the UK and is it not legitimate that they would still seek to vindicate that
2: not at all because if you if you do the outworking of that what that means is that logically then Northern Ireland wouldn't have access to single market. And that's not what we're saying. That's not what the UK government has said. That's not what the Prime Minister has said. So we're suffering, the people of Northern Ireland are suffering due to one party. And what Alliance has said is Sinn Féin collapsed the institutions a number of years ago. DUP have now done it. You need to take that tool out of the toolbox because if it's there, people will seek to use it. And what we have said is that we need reform of the institutions and we need that to happen now. Otherwise, we're going to end up in this... um, awful cycle of constant war of attrition, of collapse after collapse. So well, what, what does that reform then
0: look like circuit? What does that mean? Does it mean if the, if the DUP declines to take up its role in power sharing that you simply just allow the, the role to fall then to the next largest party so Mike Nesbitt and his, and his colleagues would get to take up the baton instead?
2: Yes, or if there is, you know, another election in the future that saw us potentially returned as the second largest party, we would seek to to, to use that mandate as well. And I think would that not mean then the possibility remember, of having
0: power sharing in Northern Ireland that doesn't involve unionists at all? That's not power sharing.
2: No, it doesn't mean that at all, Gavin. It actually means that we do have a power sharing situation. And at the minute, one party isn't allowing other parties, including another unionist party, not to govern. So no, it actually means that those who want to do the job, do the job. I was only twelve or thirteen in nineteen ninety-eight whenever the Good Friday Agreement was signed. Um I'm part of a new generation of elected reps that actually want to get on and do things. And yes, we made history in this part of the world, you know, twenty odd years ago, but frankly, that's not enough now for people. We want to move on. We want to have a peaceful, prosperous future, and we're not going to do that if we don't actually change things. We're going to continue on in this way. And as I say, with the public finances being the way they are, it's just not going to be tenable, particularly whenever the UK government are employing such a harsh strategy um, of having a budget that is making austerity look like something that was generous. Um, we're really struggling here and frankly it is concerning that as we approach the September time going into winter, also we're seeing the number of um, you know, people making others redundant, we're seeing that kind of business mm. failure um, go up. So we're in a situation where we need change, we need change now, we want to get in and do it and we can't tolerate this any longer.
0: Um, Finally, for what it's worth, because whatever value it might have to to Unionist ears, I don't know how receptive they might be, but what would your message be to Unionist leaders about um, the scenes that we saw in Tyrone last night and the burning of Irish tricolours and and images of the Taoiseach on the Twelfth Night bonfires?
2: Well, look, it's clearly unacceptable. And sadly, this is a pattern of behaviour that has persisted in Northern Ireland for, for many decades. Um, We really need to see some leadership. Um, What I would say is that there are people within unionism and indeed some people within loyalism that actually um, will be at the forefront of condemning this. But I think what we're seeing at the minute, Gavin, is the abject failure of political unionism to actually say what it wants to do. And therefore, as we know, in Northern Ireland, sadly, from years of experience, people will step in and fill a void. They will fill a vacuum. And often that message is one of negativity and one of destruction. So most people in Northern Ireland, nationalist unionists, people like myself here, and either of those things want to get on and have a life and have the things that everyone else has. We don't want to be stuck in the past. Okay.
0: Uh, we will leave it there. Circa Eastwood, thank you very much for your time this lunchtime. That's Circa Eastwood, who's an Alliance Party MLA for Lagged Valley. And before that, Mike Nesbitt, the UEP MLA for Strangford. On
1: the record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11.
0: Brought to you by PWC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new
1: equation. On News Talk.